0: Hello AR nation how are you Richard Kisten here? I'm glad to welcome you back to the Adulthood Revisited podcast. I hope you're doing well. Uh, hopefully quarantine hasn't made you crazy right now. Got some good stuff for you lined up today. I'm here with a very good friend and colleague of mine Scott Rubin of Compass. Uh, he's been a real estate broker for now what approaching 15 years I think it is something like that. I'll pass 15. Yeah. Oh you look much younger then so very good good for you. I' <laughs> know uh, Scott is Thanks. Scott is one of the top real estate brokers that I know. Uh, servicing New York City, but really has uh, has hit a home run and his, his like field of play is in Williamsburg, right? Just want to make sure that that's your like powerhouse district here in New York City.
1: Yeah, I mean, most of my career I've done a combination of Manhattan and Brooklyn, yeah. but I fell in love with Williamsburg and this is my home and I do a lot of business here uh, just because I love it so much.
0: Yeah, um, so one reason I want to have Scott on is because uh, right now, with everything that's going on, business shutting down, people wondering what they're doing with moving, lots of people traveling to Rhode Island for some odd reason um, to get to escape. Rhode Island? There was a dispute between Governor Cuomo and the governor of Rhode Island with lots of New Yorkers heading up there. i um, not sure if you think you're going to be safe I in Rhode that. Island. But, um, anyways, so Scott's very good about like he has systems in place with real estate and I just wanted to get his sense as to what, how the market's reacting, both sellers, buyers, and renters as well, uh, to what's going on with all the uncertainty as a result of the coronavirus. Uh, so Scott, thank you for being on. Um, I'm really excited about what we're going we, prior to talk. Prior to recording, you and I had a conversation that was pure gold. I should have hit record and then interlooped it later on, but we'll try <laughs> to recreate it. Um, so to get started, Scott, why don't you just share a little bit of your background, who you are, what you do, and how did you get to where you are today?
1: all right well thanks for the great introduction uh i i do listen to your podcast so i'm i'm a fan that's fine um i'm a i'm a native new yorker well i'm from long island so people from the city will maybe dispute that sometimes which is kind of ridiculous because i have the accent i say coffee i say dog and uh, my grandmother was born in in brooklyn so uh (laughs) but yeah i became uh, i went into sales years ago i mean 1997? No, I don't even. I mean, it was so long ago, 94. I can't even remember. Uh, I've just been in sales my whole life, and uh, it was recommended by people for me to go into real estate. You know, people say, why don't you sell something, you know, that'll so make you some money. And I've been in the business for a little more than 15 years, um, selling and renting apartments in Manhattan and Brooklyn. And I'm somebody who works very systematically and very positive. I have a very positive mindset, not to be you know, people confuse that, you know, I'm not the happy-go-lucky, hey, how are you this morning type of person, I just, you know, I'm, I'm still a sarcastic New Yorker, but um, I just, you know, I, I really like positivity, and helping people, and, you know, my mind's very zen, so um, I like to have my system, whether I'm buying, helping somebody buy, sell, rent, it, it, it's just very secure, uh, I need people, you know, everything's One step after the next, and I just constantly uh, share everything that's going on. Exactly what people should know, what they need to plan. You know, I really like to give them an amazing experience. So let me ask you the way I've designed my business.
0: Do you enjoy being a real estate broker? And I'll frame it this way: I think there's a sentiment that lots of people jump into real estate as a quick side hustle. They think they can make easy money. There's often, I mean, maybe I'm making this up, but there's a stigma with real estate agents, real estate brokers, uh, that they're just sitting for like a quick dollar. They don't, they don't really work, do much work for the money. Do you enjoy being a real estate broker and why? I don't know if you've ever heard this kind of criticism, but if you have, what do you think about it?
1: Yeah, I do. I mean, that's the reason I do this is because you know, it's something that I found where I can be successful in and I really like it, you know, because I, I'm, I'm helping from my you know perspective and everybody runs their business differently, but I really like to help people and consult them and help them make decisions. Uh, I'm very good at taking very complex uh, feelings and emotions and just simplifying them. And um, I often inspire people to make decisions. So it's kind of a natural fit for me. And I guess you know it's 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 really tough because I do think about that. Like everybody in real estate comes in from a completely different place. You hear people that used to be attorneys, or they used to be in corporate, or you know people that want to do something their own, people that want to start something entrepreneurial. But there's also people that do you know cheap rentals, and they just hear that they can make a quick buck, and they get in and they start advertising things and trying to get people to rent apartments. And there's people that do it from a different way. I mean, I started in rentals, but um, not, you know, a, a much more organized way. That's where they taught us the selling systems actually, but there's people that come from all different walks of life. They have all different sets. Um, you know, there, there could be somebody that went to college and is highly educated at a, um, you know, Ivy league school and they were in corporate and then they can't do any real estate. They just can't do sales. They can't be an entrepreneur. They, you know, some of them can, there's people that were a waiter that come and, Kill right. it because they're all about hospitality and taking care of people. So, um, at the end of the day, you know, usually if, if, if this is the, the right fit for you, like you, you'll know it. I mean, other people end up on other people's teams. Yeah. Not everybody's their own agent. Um, and yeah, most people don't uh, do that well. Like mo- there's a huge turnover rate. Right. And most people that are even in it for years and years are never really that successful. Um, luckily, my skill set was just 100% sale. Uh, I do feel though that the people that do the best are the ones that have a really great network of people that, you know, like there's those people that just have a huge network that are from here. They know everyone, their family knows everyone. They went to school around here and like, they just have such a huge network that once they set foot in real estate, everyone wants to work with them. So, you know, there's that too. You can just be somebody who people want to work with and make a ton of money. So, um, I personally did it by just grinding and building, uh, you know, a book of business. And, you know, I have people that refer me constantly. You know, I, I'm somebody that did it kind of ground up. You yeah. So, um,
0: yeah. That's what I was, I mean, you, you sort of touched on it, but I was going to ask, what do you think if for people, especially right now, right? I, I mean, I, I don't know how long we're going to be in this, in this pullback and, and when things will get back. But one of the first things that usually bounces back tends to be real estate. So the question would be, I'm sure there's gonna be lots of people in gig economy thinking of, let me try, real- this is a time to try real estate. Um, would you suggest that the thing to focus on is networking right off the bat more than anything else? Or to, I guess to set yourself apart being a good a good broker or a bad broker from a great broker, would you say, is it networking or there's other skills that right now, if you're working from home or if you're furloughed, you've been put off and you've been thinking about dabbling in, in getting into real estate. Let me not say dabbling, but what would you suggest tools or skills to sharpen, to, to hit the ground running, if and when someone decides to make that leap?
1: Well, that's an interesting question because when somebody's asking me, you know, should I go into real estate? Right. I get this. Now, I've had, you know, family members ask me this. And it's very hard to know who's going to be good. Yeah. Like Who's going to be a good agent? You know, I, I used to hire people when I ran teams, and I'd be very picky, and I'd only take people who I really think are going to do the work. And then that very first week, you realize you're like, oh, they're not going to do. It. You know, <laughs> like this isn't right for them. It's yeah. very hard to to advise people whether or not they're right for the business. So, um, and it's also hard to picture somebody saying, "I'm going to get into real estate right now." Like I don't <laughs> see too many people making that decision. I see a lot of people leaving the business. Ah, because that's what you know, real estate is cyclical and when we've seen things like i wasn't in the business for 9 11 but i was in the business for the financial crisis yeah and i've seen the parallels not even with the whole covid thing but even before this the market went down in uh 2018 like manhattan all of a sudden just froze nobody was buying uh the prices went down brooklyn followed but i don't feel like it was as harsh and now, of course, this is making things worse, and there's a whole element of, of the unknown. But before this happened, um, I was waiting to, I was kind of predicting when the next boom would be. And I, I was assuming it would be 2021, um, maybe even late 2020, which won't happen now. Yeah. But sometime in the future, there will be another boom. and. It's, you know, it's probably shortly after this is over. Uh, the anomaly being that if people lost too much money from not working on the stock market, they're not going to be able to buy. But uh, when it comes back, it will spike up with a force, though, like when it's, yeah. whenever that may be. So, I, you know, I think for people that are in the business, it's important to, you know, keep the relationships going, uh, keep working, not, not be invisible. You know, that's the thing. I, you know, I, I have a 18, actually, time flies. I have a 20 month old at home. And I, I can't, we can't watch them full time. So we have a nanny because I, even though I can't really show too many apartments right now, we're not really supposed to be showing any apartment. Um, you know, if, if I just stopped working, I'd become invisible. <laughs> right. I need to, and you know, of course the agents like myself that have experience, uh, I think it's important for us to be having these conversations or to be helping other people. You know, I, I, I tell everybody in my network, call me if you need anything, even if it's advice, non-real estate related.
0: Yeah,
1: so, I like to help people when I can. Um, but yeah, I've, I think that we can still do our jobs right now.
0: Let me ask you, I, I want to, just just figuring out like what it's like to be sitting in the shoes or standing in the shoes of a broker. What constitutes failure? And the reason I'm asking is because as a lawyer, I, especially when I do eviction work, I don't think there's any happy party, right? My landlords are not happy, tenants are not happy. Whatever the cases, um, or if you have, let's say, a contract dispute where you know you went to trial and you lose, right? You can't do you can't do much about that. Um, it sucks because you tried your best, but you still like the outcome didn't match what what was the expectation of a client at least on my end. So when you're working when you're working with clients, sellers, whatever it may be, what what for you, if anything, I mean, I don't know if you've, if you felt this way before you went home and you're like, damn, I failed. Like this, this doesn't feel good about like what happened here.
1: Um, you know, that I rarely feel that way. And maybe it's the way that I've constructed my business. Yeah. Um, like I, I always talk about systems. So if, if you're a buyer and we're on our first call, you know, I have a system, there's certain information I want from you and certain information I want to give to you, then I want to move it to the appointment. And when we sit in front of each other, that's the next part of the system. And I go over the process, we go over what your expectations are, we get on the same page, and then we move it to the next one. And I have such a solid system that usually things wouldn't fail along the way. I mean, if we get to the consultation, and we realize you can't buy right now, maybe you'll have to put it off uh, to the future, um, there's not too many opportunities, in my opinion, for, for failure, because my system is so tight and structured. Uh, however, there are points, like I was thinking, when is the last time I felt, oh, damn, I could have done something differently. Uh, and it was a listing presentation. And you know, I, I went to somebody's apartment, and I went over you know, myself, Compass, their apartment, how we can market it, you know, why I'm the best agent for them why Compass is the best company for them, which is part of the reason, I mean, they they heard about the company because a friend of theirs in San Francisco used them and they were very happy. And that's how I got my foot in the door, which is another thing. I mean, usually I go to a listing presentation. It's a referral or somebody I know. You know, when it's a cold one like that, you know, I'm being pitted up against five different people. And I felt really bad because in the presentation, uh, and this has never (laughs) happened to me before, but they said, uh, we've interviewed Three or four other teams like these big Williamsburg real estate teams uh, and you were the lowest price but that you, you gave us the lowest listing price out of everyone and I laughed I, I didn't you know I, I've never come across something like that before um, and they're like you know how could you explain that like, well honestly I, I they want the listing they're giving you an inflated price, you know, and I'm trying to tell them, you know, you bought this two years ago, the markets went down and you want like 10% higher. Like it's just not going to happen. And I wrote them this whole email and I followed up and I just felt bad because the way they made me feel, you know, I, I, I typically can handle anything, but these people started like this couple started like chipping away at me. Like you, you know, and they were clearly very impressed by these teams and sure enough i did you know somebody else listed it nobody who i expected it was a really weird choice yeah. and they listed it and then it got taken off the market because they couldn't sell it so that made me feel good like a couple of yeah. months later after that happened because it's like oh you know i did the right thing but even though i felt bad i followed my system i'm not going to lie to them just to get a listing and yeah. clearly that broker that, that did you know didn't do a good job with it and it, you know, I, I tend to not look at things like, let's say it was a failure. I mean, I, I, again, in that case, I wasn't wrong, but let's say I was wrong. I didn't get the listing. All that does is make it a learning experience. Like if, if I didn't get that listing, and this is the way I look at things, but um, if something happens like that, um, I just, I, I look at everything as a learning experience. It's not like, oh, I lost all this money. Right. It's like, no, you know what? I didn't get this opportunity. And that money goes towards my education that's a learning experience um actually just i don't want to go on too long but another one is a, a couple was buying a property and it was very emotional they lost the first one in a bidding war and the second one the i was negotiating with the agent completely stops communicating with me and they're all emotional they want this place so bad you know we're sitting there negotiating and we don't hear back um he then gets back to us and says oh uh, the owner was doing a deal with somebody else, like with behind my back. Like the owner went around his his broker, who was a non-revenue. They're not part of the real estate board in New York. So I don't know what kind of agreements they had, but um he gave us a price and we said, Yeah, we'll do that price. And then they said, Oh sorry, he sold it out from under you. So, you know, in a case like that, it's like I I feel so bad, but what could I have done? Like we don't I'm not prepared for a situation where their own broker is getting you know, cheated on by this, like, it just, it's not in the equation, right. but the people felt bad. Um, they, I assumed that they were going to not want to work with me anymore because of this. even though everybody knows it's out of my control. That was the case. Um, and it's something that had been in the back of my mind, but um, my response to them was, you know, I'm so sorry, this happened. I wish there was something I could have done. And I understand your decision. I actually referred them another agent in the email, I sent them somebody else's contact. info. so, and I was, you know, cause I just, you know, treat people as nice as possible. I'm not going to go off on them. And now like months later, that deal actually fell through. And I called them up and we're now doing the deal right now. Oh, um, I also wanted to just highlight that because, you know, just, you know, I treated them with so much more respect, like they essentially fired me. Right. And I said, Oh, you guys are amazing. this and that, you know, and then it, it came back. I never thought that was going to happen. So just, you know, I, I don't like to look at things as success and failure. I like to just do my job, and if something doesn't going right, I analyze myself, could I have done something different? And then I tighten my system accordingly. And I, I feel like it's really solid at this point. And, you know, so even the examples I gave, the latest two, you know, failures, I, I couldn't have, oh, I'm sorry, I'm making air quotes for the podcast. Uh, it's nothing I could have prevented anyway. Yeah. Um. I, I normally don't come across those things. I mean, sure, maybe somebody will work with somebody else because of me, you know, but you can't really uh, get too worked up over that. If you're a salesperson, you should just, in my opinion, have a very solid, structured system. Try and get as much business as you can get, and then and enjoy life. I'm all about the positive aspects of right. everything. So. I think if, if you can't do that, you shouldn't be in the business. To be honest,
0: more and more I'm I, I'm like figuring that out for myself because whereas before I would be, I think I'd get emotional about let's say outcomes or or something maybe a client would say, or whatever the case is, now it's just, listen, you're, you're free to make your own choices about what you think about. I can think my service is great. They might not, um, or whatever it might be. So I just, I think more and more you've got to, especially when you're in sales, uh, which everyone who runs a business essentially, essentially is whether you want to admit it or not has to be okay with letting people feel what they want to feel, say what they want to say, and not, not make that mean anything about, about you. Um, I remember years ago I was trying to start this side this side online business and someone emailed me um something about I, I forgot the email. They're like, why are you sending this email? itself? and after that I just shut down the entire email sequence. I never emailed from there again. And I realized that I lost out on a lot of business um because I didn't I didn't like keep pursuing that. So um I like that. Just keep keep let people feel what they want to feel and experience what they want to experience and then you just you know, you've got to learn from it and build from it. What the next thing I want to ask you is about systems, because for the time that I've known you, um, like you talk a lot about systems that you've created, developed, and deployed in your in your business. Um, how well, I've struggled a lot with systems. How do you? Are, is it just come naturally to you to to want to create like a workflow, or, or did you? Were there things along the way that, I don't know, hacks or so that you managed to start building a system that works, if that makes sense?
1: It does. I mean, I, I think it kind of happens organically because, you know, growing up, I was always an artist and a musician and a performer. Uh, I've, I'm sure you've heard me talking about performing stand up comedy. I, I'm a very outgoing performer. So I was never really a business person. And when I got into real estate, because I knew I can sell, uh, luckily at that time, everything was becoming digital and I'm a tech freak. So the fact that I have calendars and contacts and appointments and everything's on my phone and my computer and everything, um, it's really helped me get organized. But the first company I worked for uh, had a very solid rental system. Uh, You know, all, all the other companies were out there just meeting people on the street, showing them apartments, you know, just kind of blindly if somebody likes something, running them back to the office and asking them to sign something. And I'm like, well, what am I signing? Oh, that's just the, you know, our fee. It's like $8 million. I'm like, what? So the company uh, that I worked for actually taught out of a book uh, by David Sandler. It's called, You Can't Teach a Kid to Ride a Bike at a Seminar. I believe they have a whole Sandler Institute now. Somebody was at our BNI, I think that was part of it, where they teach and coach you. But um, it was it was really good because it showed you how to work with a selling system. And our company would train out of the book. I even would teach people out of the book after a while because I became a coach and a mentor. And what I did was I, I said, I really liked this idea. So what I did is I wrote my own system so I can train my mentees on it. And my system basically was exactly the flow from advertising to Talking to clients on the phone to, and I, I really broke down every single section of it and would train my people accordingly, so that when we would work together, there was a very specific, you know, way in which we would work, and it was seamless. Uh, and I've trained some really great people. I mean, one of them is a manager at Compass right now. Yeah. Um, and that, which was taught to me, I adopted very quickly. I mean, I guess I have the you know, I, I don't know what it is. I don't sound like I'm bragging. I guess everybody has talents, but right. my talent is that is just figuring things out. I don't know. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what my exact talent is, but whenever I, I read these little self-help books or you hear these little snippets, uh, audio books, all the self-help stuff, I, I can't read it because it's so obvious to me. So I guess maybe my talent is that I'm just very good at, uh, all, you know, all the things they teach you in self-help. Like I'm just, they, they connect, <laughs> you were born self-realized
0: you're born a self well,
1: I do have a story I don't want to bore your audience with my story but it all comes down to one thing all right I'm gonna have to do you have time yep all right here's here's my one I, I think it's important because it's a life-changing experience but I used to work at uh, PC Richard you know the yeah. electronics <laughs> all you gotta do is yeah, whistle so that's, Right, exactly. I mean, I'm not going to do the whistle. Uh, I mean, they're not my favorite company in the world, but I worked for them back in the day. I'm not plugging them. Uh, we worked on commission, actually, and that's where my customers would say, "Well, why don't you sell something real, like real estate?" But there was this manager there, and he's this big, tall, almost a doofy-looking guy, like middle-aged. Like, hey, Scott, you know, and, you know, we we always had a good rapport, but we were arguing about something, like. And it was a heated argument and I, I was wrong. Like I was clearly wrong and I'm arguing with this guy anyway. And I had this kind of like out of body experience where I kind of pulled myself away from the situation. And I'm like, I am, I, I'm such an asshole right now. And I hope I can use that word on your, I'll mark this episode explicit. Podcast, <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. But no, I mean, I really like felt like that. And I was like, it's so wrong. Like, like what, What's the difference if I was wrong? Is it that big of a deal? So I, I went up to him and I said, hey, man, listen, I'm, I'm so sorry. Like, I, I was wrong. You know, I, I don't know why I was arguing with you. And He was blown away. And he was like, oh, my God, like, thank you so much. And it was just a, it, it was an interesting experience, but uh, it, it had me think of this other time. I was like in an argument with somebody where I was lying to them because I didn't like the fact that I did something that was wrong. Like, I, I just... And I hated this feeling. And I decided from that point that I'm always going to be completely honest. But it's not with, only with everyone else. It's being honest with yourself. Because if I was going to sit there and defend myself, and, and, and because I'm very smart and I can argue my way out of this you know, argument, um, I'm still lying to myself. And it, it was like this dirty thing. I, I really didn't like it. And my whole life I became so honest and I never will argue with anyone if I don't know the answer I never say something like oh this is the way things are like I only tell people things if they're 100% if not I say I think it's this this is my opinion or I'll find that out but I just I'm all about honesty now and so much so that it's gone completely the opposite like I don't even like you know, making the small talk when people are like, hey, how was your weekend? It's like, oh, like I, it's, it's so fake. To, like like everything has to be like pure and honest to the point where it's bad. I call people out. People, you know, say something and I'll just call them out on it because I don't like that there's an element of, you know, BS to it. So, <laughs> um, but that, that's kind of my story where I became self-enlightened and yeah. self-reflective. And everything I do, I just really want to analyze
0: myself constantly all the time. It's funny. I'm trying to be better about that because people in my life, friends and one friends, family have always said that I'm very white and black, logical about everything, and that I'll, I'll like, you'll know like where I stand. Attorney? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> right. Like a good attorney should be. You'll, you'll know where I stand. But it, I tend to be in. I could be inflexible. Um, and more and more, I'm trying to figure out. Well, where, where am I coming from? Like that is almost like discarding of the ego all right, I'm wrong. I could, I could argue all day about why I'm never wrong, but you know what, if I'm wrong or even arguing whether I'm wrong or right, what's that going to do for the situation? So I'm trying to be more cognizant of that, about that myself. Like what's the value in prolonging, whether it's dispute, tension, a disagreement, what's the value in, in like hashing? Out? I mean, there are times, maybe you'll agree, I don't know, that you have to stand your ground, like whether, you know, if it's public and uh, not, not uh, like harm to your person and whatnot, but Otherwise, like, how many times does it really matter whether? How many times does it really matter whether or not you're right or wrong in something?
1: It doesn't because if you look at the opposite side, it's like, what? What is the difference? If you tell somebody you're wrong, are they going to be like, "Well, you're horrible. I never want to see you again"? Like, it doesn't make sense. Um, That's the realization to I came at the moment. And when I told that guy Mike I was wrong, like, it blew him away. He respected me at a different level. So, um, and then the other thing, I you know what you said about ego. Go do stand up comedy, right? <laughs> Like Judith and I. Like, we we would stand up on stage. Like, I mean, we're throwing everything at them. Like, you yeah. think things are funny, you tell it to an audience, they hate you. Uh, <laughs>
0: it's,
1: if you really want to work on that, like, do stand up comedy, like, for a few years. Go to Open Mic. And, you know, <laughs> it's a, that's an experience where you shouldn't have it in much of your ego.
0: Scott, I don't want to keep, I want to start wrapping up and bringing this to a close. So, this has been great so far, but I want to ask you, right now uh, with COVID, lockdown, quarantine, uncertainty in the markets, market pullback, if you have any advice for, let's say, sellers that are out there, maybe they have a listing that's open or they're considering selling, buyers who are thinking about buying, or even renters who, you know, who knows what's going on with leases as well, uh, with, um, you know, whether or not, I know automatically in New York, They've extended leases automatically, renewed them automatically, um, but or at least that's the, the, the premise under the law, the proposed bill. If you have any advice, maybe some quick tips or, or suggestions for people who are actively selling, considering selling, actively buying, uh, considering buying, or, or making a move in this climate right now.
1: Well, it, it's tough to give advice when everything's really case by case, yeah. person by person. Um, you know, there, there's people that need to sell. Right. I mean, you know, especially with what's going on, maybe they need the money, whatever it is. And it, it's not—it's definitely not the best time. I mean, it, New York City is on pause, as they say, right? And yeah. you know, I feel like for the most part, it's probably best everybody just pause. Like, uh, you know, there are—if you have a listing on the market there's really no reason to pull it right off if yeah. you don't mind that people are seeing it. You know, it's, it's different if the owner uh, lives in the apartment, they're probably not going to want to show it at all. Right. But if they have an empty space and it's not hurting anyone, uh, they might as well, you know, leave it on and see what happens. Uh, it's weird. You know, some deals haven't had any negotiation at all. There's a percentage where uh, there's been renegotiations after the contract yeah. signing. Um, it, and it's really it, not only is it case by case, but pe- people really have to, uh, try and be reasonable as well. Like, you know, everybody has to understand that everybody's kind of in a state of shock. A lot of people are experiencing anxiety. They're afraid. They're making decisions. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's good if you can just to be reasonable and try and work with the other side. Um, so, you know, I, I recently advised somebody to wait because he didn't need to sell and I could get him a renter. Um, they're there's somebody that I rented an apartment to and they don't want to move in right now. So I asked the landlord and the landlord said, you know what, take your time. And when you're comfortable, you know, when things have settled down, you can move in and then we'll start uh payment from that date. So it's nice to have people lenient on both sides. Right. Um, you know, there's in the rental market, it's tough because there's people that can't pay their rent anymore. And I know the, state said you can't evict anybody for the next three months uh there's all these other things that are going to happen which is again another anomaly because you know they've passed the one uh that, that huge you know care act and then there's another round that they're negotiating right now like i hear that nancy pelosi wants to push uh for them to get rid of the salt tax where you can't deduct more than ten thousand on the state and local taxes and actually do a rollback to where I can get that money back from the pet, you know, a year or, or however long it's been enacted for. So, yeah. you know, because uh, people like me, we, we don't usually get anything. Like right. we make it just over the amount where we're going to get a check. You know, I'm an independent contractor, so I'm not really getting anything from anyone. Um, and yeah, it's so situational. But I, I mean, I think if you don't need to sell, I wouldn't really list an apartment right now. And if you do need to sell, I would work with a broker who knows what they're doing because we really need to You know, like if somebody were to list with me right now, I would have to have virtual tours and virtual showings, virtual open houses. You know, if I had somebody that was very interested, I'd make, I'd let them get into the apartment. I mean, I'm doing, I'm actually working right now and there's people that need to do an inspection on a house and there's inspectors willing to do an inspection. Um, You know, things are happening as appraisers. Uh, I'm actually refinancing right now and the appraiser, is allowing me to send pictures to him instead oh. of coming in my apartment. Right. So uh, that's actually what I was doing right now is assembling really nice pictures to send the appraiser. Yeah. So uh, there's workarounds. You can sell in this market. I just think that you're not going to do as well as, right. if, as if COVID yeah. wasn't here right now. And if you can, you should wait. Um, uh, but again, if it, it depends on your situation, if you need to sell, just make sure you're doing it with somebody who's really going to, work hard for you and make sure that, you know, we comply as much with the laws as we can because right. we're not really supposed to be showing harm, um in person, but there's still ways to let people in. Like the place I'm about to list for rent has a code on it. You know, we can just, you know, give them the code and let them go in themselves. Yeah. Um, so there, there's all different ways. I and mean, buyers, a lot of buyers have just paused, but you know, uh, if there's buyers out there, and I'm sure there are that haven't been affected, they're still working. They didn't have most of the money in the stock market. There's people that are in a position to buy, and yeah, I mean, I don't see why they shouldn't go right now. There's definitely going to be less inventory to choose from, but there may be desperate people. You know, I don't like to talk about taking advantage of people, but you know, that's what people want to do is take advantage of the situation if they're out there buying right now. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's people who need to sell, Um, but I I do see from all the stories I hear from other agents, there does seem you know, people don't seem to be going for the throat. People seem to be negotiating because of their own inability to pay as much or yeah. one of the family members isn't working. I don't see too many people that are just going at each other, you know, trying to really take advantage of them. Um, it seems to just be more, more of an amicable. Yeah, they wanted 5% off. We gave them 5% off. You know, it doesn't seem to be that crazy right now, but right. it's just, it's so unknown and things change every day or two. So it's, it's so hard to really project. Yeah,
0: for sure. I mean, it's, it's tough, man. Everyone, like no one's exempt from operating in this new and unprecedented context and real estate is no different. So with that, Scott, thank you so much. This was a very, very awesome conversation. Uh, yeah, if anybody- I,
1: could, I, could I just, sorry, I just want to add one thing onto that because I will say not only my own beliefs, but uh, the people I've been talking to at Compass every day, like there is a really nice collective of people that are talking and Emphasizing that we really should be, you know, very lenient and caring, and trying to help people, and understanding that people are going through this, and you know, you know, just thinking of people's well-being, and you know, just yeah. an overall sense of, you know, I don't know, love, I guess, but I just wanted to end with a positive
0: <laughs> Very cool, very cool. Uh, thank you so much, man. Really, really good stuff. Um, if anybody wants to, you know, follow you, contact you, what's the best way for them to do that? And I'll link it up in the show notes as well.
1: Oh, well, it's Scott Rubin. Last name is R-U-B-I-N. Uh, you can Google me. I'm at Compass. I have scottrubin.com. Um, Scott.rubin at compass.com. <laughs> I'm, I'm very Googleable. So,
0: <laughs> very cool. Scott Rubin, everyone, from Compass. Scott, thank you so much. Uh, until Thanks for next having week. me. Man, take it easy, man. Take care. <laughs> All right, bye. All right, be well.